Good morning. I'm Jackie Bode, and I'm going to read scripture today. And uh, you can find it in the Pew Bible on page 818 if you'd like to follow there. The first reference is Matthew 13, 24 to 30. And I'm going to give, give you time to find that in the Bible, and then I will start. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now our second group is 36 to 40. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be reaping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the word of the Lord. If you've uh, been here a little bit, you may have heard us use a phrase that we at Hope Community Church exist to glorify God by proclaiming hope and pursuing transformation that can only be found in Jesus. If you're new here, I hope that with me just saying that, that you get a little bit better idea of what we're all about here at Hope. And so even during this time, in every Sunday, we desire that the sermons we hear will remind us of the gospel. The gospel is the work that Jesus has done for us. So we hope that you are reminded, that we are reminded of the gospel. We believe that Jesus is the one who changes everything. He's the one that transforms us. He's the one that sustains us and is the one who died and gave his life for the church. So everything is, it's all built on him. He is the the head of the church. He's the leader of the church. So we want to be all about the gospel. We also want to be a people of repentance because of God's love. God's love compels us to repentance. And so because of the work of Christ, we want to be honest and transparent about our sin as a church community, because as we do, 
as we do that and we bring our sin into the light, our hearts can be changed. Then as we follow Jesus, we're not going to just repent of our sin, but we want to and, and put off our sin. We also, as Paul says in Colossians 3, we want to put on the things of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we would call the process of transformation. And in this process, as we trust Jesus, we repent of our sin and walk by the Spirit, our lives are changed. So that's what we're after during this time. As we hear God's word, that we would, we would be compelled to trust Jesus. I, I'm hopeful and prayerful that in just a little bit as we leave here, that we would all be compelled to trust Jesus more. As we repent of our sin and walk by the Spirit, that our lives will be transformed and changed. So that's what we're after during this time as we hear God's word. So the past two weeks, we've gone through, so, through some parables uh, as we continue in our sermon series in Matthew. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the purpose of these parables, why Jesus told them. Jesus would tell parables, stories to help us understand spiritual truth. Then last week, we saw the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, 1 through 9, and Matthew 18 through 23, where a sower, he went out and threw seeds on different types of, of ground. Some of the seed didn't make it, but some of the seeds made it on the good soil. They grew, produced grain, and multiplied. And we saw that this, this parable was a picture of how the Word of God manifests itself in our lives. And I love the illustration that Chris gave last week. He said that even G Jesus can even take seed that falls in thorny places and stony ground. Jesus can plow through that and still make that hard, tough soil into good soil to where that seed can be multiplied and be fruitful. Now as we come into another parable in verse 24, look at it with me as Jackie just read it. So we come to another parable here in verse 24. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. What's interesting is that this parable that Jesus gives kind of builds off the parable of the sower that we saw last week. The kingdom of heaven that Jesus says is something that we have heard previously in our series in Matthew. It's talked a lot about in this gospel, and we hear this talked about in the other three gospels. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, he is saying that it is God's rule over his people. And there's different nuances to that and different parts and pieces of that, but I think it's pretty safe to say that the kingdom of heaven is, is God's rule over his people. And so Jesus gives a parable here to help us understand what this kingdom is like. What Jesus is doing in, this, in these parables, he's setting expectations. He's giving us a better understanding of what life in his kingdom is like. So he says it's like a man who plants good seed in his field, which would make sense to give a parable about a situation like this, because people at this time, their whole world, their, their life, their culture revolved around agriculture. And so after the man did this, while his servants were asleep, this, this, this guy who owned the field, his enemy sowed seed, weeds among the wheat, Many scholars believe the fact that these servants in Jesus' parable, 
doesn't necessarily mean they were neglectful, but that this enemy was stealthy. He was, he was malicious. These weeds that were sowed in this field that Matthew mentions in this parable would have been called darnel, D-A-R-N-E-L, darnel. And it's a weed that looks a lot like wheat, and it's common in Israel. And so the difference between darnel and wheat appears only when the plants grow. And then when the plants grow, you have the ears of the wheat that come up and the weed appear. And then only then can you tell the difference between it. So after some time went by and these plants started to grow, in verse 27, the servants come to the master and said, didn't you plant good seed in the field? Because if you did, why are there weeds out there? And you can almost imagine the doubt and maybe even like sarcasm with the servants, with the master that could have crept into the minds of the servants. A thought of, hey, boss, do you, do you really know what you're doing? Are you sure you didn't mess up? Don't you, don't you think having weeds among, amongst the wheat, that's harmful? And the master says in verse 28, an enemy has done this. And the servants are like, all right, well, do you want us to go out out there and gather up and go ahead and, and pull the weeds out and separate the wheat and the weeds? I mean, these servants, they're ready for action. They're ready to take care of the problem. But this would have caused a problem because when darnel was spread among wheat, the darnel, the weeds had stronger roots. And the roots, would get tang- the, the roots would get tangled with the roots of the weeds. So you couldn't just go out and start pulling the darnel out because if you did that, then the weeds would take up the wheat with it. And so then instead of having a field for a, full of wheat and weeds, you had just a field. And so the master here, he understands this. He has the big picture of the field and he doesn't overreact. This master is patient And he says, let's wait until the harvest, and then we'll gather the weeds first, we'll bind them in the bundles, and then we'll burn them. And then we'll harvest the wheat and store it in the barn. So then Jesus gives that, and then he gives another parable in verses 31 through 33. We're not going to look at that this morning. We'll check in on that next week. But Jesus gives another parable, uh, gives that another parable, and then look down in verse 36. You see that there? It says in verse 36, Jesus leaves the crowds and goes into his house and the disciples come to him. The disciples have heard this parable of the wheat and the weeds and they say to him, explain to us the parable of the weeds. So the, the, the disciples are they're starting to catch on now with the rhythm of Jesus' teaching. They've heard him give parables before. And so the disciples come to Jesus and say, explain this to us. And so Jesus says that the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. So as we look at the context of Scripture, we can know that this is Jesus. Jesus is mentioned as the Son of Man 88 times in the New Testament and is the primary title that Jesus would use to refer to himself. So Jesus said in Matthew 18, 11, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So we can be confident that when Jesus says the Son of Man, that he is describing himself. The Son of Man is a title given to describe the humanity of Jesus. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He left the glory of heaven and took on human flesh. And so when we hear that title of Son of Man, we hear that Jesus is equally God and equally man. 
So the sower of the good seed in this parable is Jesus. He then says in verse 38 that the field is the world. Then the good seed that is planted in this field is the sons of the kingdom. Now we need to talk about what that means for just a second. This is interesting because at this time of Jesus, most people in Israel saw themselves as part of the kingdom because they were God's chosen and covenant people. They thought they were the kingdom. But what Jesus previously makes clear in the Gospel of Matthew is that some Jews were part of the kingdom, while others were not. So you weren't just part of the kingdom because you were Jewish. Many thought that when the Messiah came, that he would immediately judge the wicked. That's why we even saw not too long ago in Matthew 11, John the Baptist had wondered and even began to doubt if Jesus really was the Messiah. Because John had thought, like so many others, John had thought that the separating of the wicked and the righteous would have already started with the Messiah, with the Messiah coming. But this judgment hadn't started yet. This judgment hadn't, had not yet come. And it's almost like Jesus is saying in this parable, wait, it's coming. So if it was thought that the sons of the kingdom was the people of Israel, that wouldn't be right and correct. So the good seed represents believers, people who submit to the reign of God in Christ, who have surrendered their lives to him, are following him, and could even be described as the fruit-bearing plants from the early parable we saw last week. Then the weeds in this parable represent unbelievers. Now, some theologians have debated on whether the weeds in this parable refer to all unbelievers or, to, or if Jesus is describing people who were not true believers but would think so, that were deceived, thinking they were believers but actually not believers. And the reality of a person thinking they are a believer but actually not being a believer is addressed in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, it's also addressed in the epistle of 1 John 2.19. An example of this would be people who would identify with Christ or maybe people who identify with the church but who haven't been genuinely converted. And that's definitely possible what Jesus is talking here. But more likely what Jesus is talking about here, he's at the very least is referring simply to unbelievers who live side by side with other believers whose hearts are far from him. And then the enemy who planted the weeds is Satan, the evil one, the one that is seeking to confuse and to manipulate. Then down in verse 39, Jesus explains that the harvest represents the coming judgment of the time when the weeds will be separated from the wheat. And this picture that Jesus gives, it's pretty grim. Because there will be a day of judgment and punishment for the wicked. And so that's really sad. That's really even hard to hear. But this day of judgment will be difficult. It will be hard. It will be grim. But it will also be a day of celebration. Celebration for the righteous. Because it says in verse 43, it says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. So that's a lot. 
We've walked through this parable really fast, and this parable can be pretty confusing to apply to our lives. So there are a few realities that we can see from this passage that help us apply this this parable to our lives. So number one, there's a real enemy at work. There's a real enemy at work. In this parable, when the servants were asleep, the field's owner's enemy comes and sows bad seed among the wheat. During this time, oftentimes, this was pretty common. If you were competing with another farmer for the wheat, that sometimes these farmers would get so malicious and manipulative that they would start spreading wheat or weeds in the wheat of each other's fields. So it's a little bit, uh, a little bit tense. There could be some tension and conflict there. This enemy was stealthy, working at night and malicious, and is trying to do damage to this field. So given the meaning of the parable by Jesus, we know that in God's kingdom, we can know that in God's kingdom, there is an enemy, Satan attempting to ruin this kingdom. Ever since the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, Satan has been wanting to wreak havoc on God's kingdom. All throughout scripture, we see him doing what he can do to to mess up God's plans. He's trying to destroy people's lives and rob God of his glory. This same enemy is also seeking to destroy our lives. That even right now, Satan is wanting to plant seeds of doubt and mistrust in our hearts. He's doing everything he can to plant weeds in our hearts that will tangle up truth that will manipulate our desires and numb our hearts to the love of God. And Satan's not just trying to work in our lives. He's also at work around us. He's at work around us in trying to damage God's kingdom. He uses bad leadership and institutions like the church that even Jesus died for for the church, but Satan can, can use the institution of the church to damage God's kingdom. We've seen that with leadership and spiritual abuse in churches in our own city and in our country recently. We've seen these weeds sprout out and show themselves in denominations with the cover-up of sexual abuse and the enablement of abusers. So we see evidence of a very real enemy that is seeking to destroy and cause harm. And this is really hard. It grieves us. Some of you have been hurt by situations that I've just described. It hurts because it hurts people that we love. And these weeds make life and following Jesus really hard. In the parable that Jesus gave, the enemy plants weeds, or as I said, darnel, and it would grow amongst the wheat. You couldn't tell the difference between it and the wheat until it was time to harvest. And as this wheat and darnel began to grow, the, the roots would get, would get tangled together. They would get, just make a big mess. And so you couldn't just go out and pull out the darnel. You had to wait until it was the right time to harvest it so you could tell the difference between the wheat and the darnel. So the second reality that we need to remember is, number two, that in the kingdom of God, there's a lot going on under the surface that we cannot see. There's a lot going on that we can't see because we can't see the hearts of people around us. 
And often we don't always know what's going on under the surface of the, the hearts of other people, but we also don't know what's sometimes what's going on under the surface of our own hearts. And this can cause doubts and confusion because how can we, how can we trust Jesus and follow him when we can't always see how he's at work? How can we trust him when we've been hurt and the world around us seems crazy and chaotic? Sometimes we can be like the servants in the parable and we can ask our master, hey, are you sure you planted the right seed in the field? I think if we're all honest, we've asked that question before. Do you know what you're doing? Did you, have you made a mistake? Do you even know how to plant wheat? I think, I think we've asked those questions of our master. We've asked questions, why is this happening inside of your kingdom? And that's really hard to wrestle with. And in this parable, I don't want to leave you hanging, but in this parable, Jesus isn't necessarily trying to address the why, but he's trying to address the what is happening. And we will often not get the answers to why what is happening in his kingdom until that day of judgment. There's a really good book I would recommend to you if, if these things are you're wrestling with these really hard things in your life. As I've walked through tragedy and struggles in, in my own life, I was given the book um, Experiencing God in Suffering by Tim Keller. It's a great book. He helps explain some of these things and how God is at work even in suffering. And so sometimes we can be like those servants and ask, do you even know what you're doing? Do you have a clue? Is this out of your control? And the beauty is that when we have those questions and doubts in our hearts, Jesus uses them to invite us into a relationship with him. Because in, in his all-knowing character, he knows what's going on under the surface. Even in the midst of the, the weeds and the chaos of the world and in our lives, he's still king over his kingdom. And the third reality that we need to remember is he is not confused and he's not panicked. I want to take us back to when the servants go to the master who, remember, this master represents Christ. These servants go back to the master and they say, this has happened in the field. Did you remember to plant the right seed in the field? Do you, do you want us to go out there and start pulling up the weeds? And I love the patience of the master in this parable. Because he's not panicked about what's happening in his field. He tells his servants to wait and not pull out the weeds because it would cause further damage to the field. So he's not confused. He has the big picture in mind. And this parable that Jesus gives is a beautiful picture of himself. In this parable, we see the calm stable presence that only he can bring. Yes, there's times in scriptures where we see Jesus flipping over tables in the temple and driving out people in the temple, but we also see throughout the gospel, we, the gospels, we also see a steadiness that calms people's souls. And this can sometimes be difficult for us because we don't see the big picture. We don't, we don't necessarily see the whole field. We don't, we don't see everything that's going on in the kingdom. And because so many of us are wired in a way that we want to take action and we want to fix it, 
And that does reflect the heart of God. Let me just say that. God is a God of action. And so there are times where we are called to action because God is a God of action. God is a God of justice. And it grieves God to see, it grieves God's heart to see injustice. And so since we are made in the image of God, we are grieved at injustice and we desire justice. And so there are times where we are called to action that reflects the heart of God. But there are also times where we are called to wait, to let time run its course, and to receive instructions from the Lord. Now, we also have to fight to not fall into complacency and inaction, but we are also called to trust, to wait, and to pray. Because ultimately, God is not confused or panicked. He's not confused or panicked about what is happening in his kingdom. God is never caught off guard or flat-footed. He's never inactive. He's always in control. He knows what's happening. And he's methodically working for the good of his people and his glory, even when it feels like he's not. He's always working for the good of his people and for his glory because, number four, Jesus is a righteous and good judge. We see this, see in this parable in verse 30 and then down in verses 40 through 42 that there is a coming judgment. The master, Jesus, the master will gather up the wheat and the weeds. He will separate them, harvest the wheat, and burn the weeds. And in this parable, we can know that one day, because Jesus is righteous and holy, he will make right what has been wrong. We can take that to the bank. We are promised that. That one day, Jesus will make right what has been wrong. He will judge those that have not believed and followed him. He will judge those that have hurt and taken advantage of those weaker than them. Because he is a good and fair judge that will bring about justice so we can trust him. We can run to him. We can bring our anger and our grief and our struggles to him because he is good, he is fair, and he is kind. But here's something else that is just amazing about what Jesus and his, and his work and his action around us, is Jesus is able to take the weeds and transform them into wheat. Even when we don't know what's going on in our own hearts, Jesus can transform us because the gospel is powerful enough to take weeds to wheat because he died for the payment of our sin. He rose again. Jesus came to transform weeds into wheat to give brand new spiritual life and hope. We also don't have to fear his judgment because God in his mercy and grace sent Jesus on the cross for our sin. Jesus came to place his own judgment onto himself and take our place and die. And then he rose again so we can have hope and our lives transformed by him. So Jesus is a good and righteous judge, which is why we take communion. 
we take communion to remind us of this sacrifice that Jesus made for our sin. We take, we take the bread and we are reminded that the body of Christ was broken for us. And then as we dip that bread into the juice, we are reminded that his blood has been shed for our lives so our lives can be transformed so that he can take wheat and turn it, or take weed into wheat. We have over here, we have a gluten-free station. We also have individual communion packets if you're more comfortable with that. But as we come, we will be reminded what Christ has done for us, that he is a good, fair, and righteous judge and is worthy of our trust. So would you, as we begin to prepare to do that, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you look out over the field of the world. That you look out over your kingdom and you know what's happening. Even things that are under the surface that we don't even know. We thank you that you are never caught off guard. You're not confused. You're not panicked. You're trustworthy. So I pray that you would grow our capacity to trust you. We also thank you, Jesus, that you are a a good and righteous judge. That you are able to see our hearts. You understand what's going on inside of us. And you have made a way for us to be transformed. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. As our worship team, team begins to sing, you can come whenever you're ready.